I mean, I'm just really excited about the privilege to spend some time this morning continuing in our, uh, our series on living a generous life. And, and what we're going to do today is we're going to continue. Today we're going to talk about growing through generosity. Now, some of you may know my wife Dee and I, we live over in, on the Kansas side. We live over in, in, in Leavenworth County. And if you haven't been over there, especially in downtown Leavenworth, a lot more small businesses, family-owned businesses, small shops over there. And uh, there's actually a bunch of furniture stores down there. And a lot of them do their own work. They'll, they'll do original pieces. They'll do refurbishments. It, what's common in, in, in small shops like that is they'll put pieces out on the sidewalk to kind of show you the quality of the work, the type of, of pieces that they might have, to kind of draw your interest, trying to get you in to the store. So a couple of years ago, my wife, Dee, and I were driving down downtown, and uh, I was driving, she was riding, and uh, she goes, hey, look at that, that's interesting. And kind of like a guy, I was like, yep. And just, you know, and there was probably like a second, a second and a half of stunned silence, and I heard my beautiful bride's voice change just ever so slightly when she said, and yet you keep driving. <laughs> now that was nothing that a couple of really, really fast right hands turns couldn't fix. And I am absolutely confident that the folks who are in the crosswalks that day are completely recovered by now. <laughs> but it was funny because it was football season like it is now. And you ever watch football, you know, the, the, the quarterback, like he's got that little plastic wrist piece on there. So they, they send the signals in from the sidelines, you know, so they'll wave in, they'll wave their hands, they'll shake or whatever, and you'll go, okay, boom, away he goes. Do you know you can put one of those on your visor as a guy? So like you're driving and your wife says something, oh, stop, <laughs> you know? So guys... You're welcome. Now, I, I tell that story because we're getting towards the end. We're in the fourth of, of five weeks here in this series on generosity. And today what we're specifically going to talk about is being an expanding giver and an extravagant giver. And you know, let, let, let's be honest. Um, clearly, I didn't understand my wife when she said, look, that's interesting. And maybe sometimes we don't understand what we mean when we say, Hey, let's, let's, let's look at being an expanding giver. Let's look at being an extravagant giver. And it, I, I think sometimes we can, you know, perhaps even, you know, we see that up there, oh, extravagant giver, and we kind of, in our heads, we think, oh, man, here we go, you know? And, and, and that's really not the case. Matter of fact, that's, that's nothing even close to what we're talking about. In fact, I want to go back to a, a great point that Pastor Derek made two year, weeks ago when we talked about being a consistent giver. And in there, he said, Look, we don't want something from you. We want something for you. And I think that's a really important point to understand as we talk about this entire concept, this entire topic of, of generosity. Really, what we want, especially today or through the whole series, is we want this to be an encouragement. We want this to be an inspiration to you. We don't want you to feel beat up or anything like that. That's not the intent. It, it, it's to show you the amazing things that God can and does do when we're, when, we're, when we're extravagant in our giving, when we're, we're just freely open in our giving. And I think it also can build in us a confidence in our generosity. First of all, a confidence in understanding that, that being an extravagant giver, it's okay, it's good, it's not harmful, it's, it's something to strive for, it's something to, to look out for. But also it can give us a confidence that in our own giving, we're, we're where God wants us to be, where God's called us to be at that point. Now, Today, we're going to be primarily in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, and then we'll spend a little time in Acts 2 as well. But what I'd like to do 
first is, is just spend a little time kind of talking some context of 2 Corinthians, especially uh, chapters 8 and 9. Just kind of gives us a little better understanding of, of this whole concept. The book of 2 uh, Corinthians, it was, a, it was a letter that Paul wrote, and he wrote it on his third missionary journey. He was up in Macedonia at the time, kind of towards the top of that map there. We're not exactly sure where he was, you know, Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, somewhere in that area, we, we think. And he wrote it about a year after he wrote his first letter, what, what, what we now call 1 Corinthians. And if you were to look at those two areas, Macedonia towards the top up there and then you know, Corinth down in the bottom there, they really were two completely different environments. If you were to characterize uh, you know, Macedonia and those, those, those Christian churches up there, the words you might use would be you know, poverty. Um, they, they, were, they were not you know, thriving economically. They were under some persecution. Now, down in, in Corinth, if you're not familiar with the city of Corinth, you know, it was a major port city. It was a major trade center. It was much more um, economically strong uh, than, it was, than, than folks were up in, uh, up in Macedonia. So you've got really a, a very different condition between those two cities, where Paul is and where he's writing and the folks he's writing about and then the folks he's writing to down in Corinth. And... The, the book of Second uh, Corinthians is actually kind of interesting too. It's only 13 chapters, but chapters 8 and 9, they're, they're really a completely different topic than the rest of, of the book. Paul actually spends the first seven chapters defending his apostleship against folks who are attacking him. Then he like turns completely and he talks about this thing called the collection. And then he turns back again, and he, he kind of gives some, some teaching against the false teachers, the folks who have snuck in behind him in Corinth and are sowing false teaching there. And when we talk about chapters 8 and 9, this collection, what it was, um, not only was there poverty up in the Macedonian churches, but there was extreme poverty at that time in the church in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas of Judea. So Paul had taken on a, a, a pretty large task with several other folks to help raise a collection to ease the suffering that was going on down in, uh, in, in Jerusalem. And it's interesting, he actually addresses it in a couple of other letters as well. In, in Romans 15, he refers to it and he talks about it in terms of being a fellowship. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 16, he addresses it and he talks about being a gift. In 2 Corinthians, he talks about it being a generous gift. And then again, in 2 Corinthians, he later he talks about a service that you would perform. So you kind of get the feel that this is kind of a big deal. He's talking about it quite a bit, and he's using it in, 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 in several you know, very important terms. And as we look at what Paul writes, just in these two chapters here, in, in, in chapters 8 and 9, he really focuses in on the generosity of the Macedonians, despite their poverty. But he, he focuses that on... Th that being a, a response or a product of God's grace when they, when they receive Christ as their Lord and Savior and the transformation that happened within the Macedonians when, when, when they did receive Christ. Now, another thing he does in these two chapters is he makes a reminder to the folks in Corinth. He said, hey, remember a year ago, you guys made a commitment towards this collection as well. Uh, now, we don't know what it was, what, what the commitment was or how big it was, but apparently it was substantial because in, in these two chapters, Paul talks about how that, that commitment from the Corinthians was inspiring the Macedonians. It was kind of firing them up. It was getting them excited. They, they really you know, were, were inspired by that. And we can see that. It's very interesting here. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, we'll read that for us together for a second. 
And here Paul writes, for they, he's talking about the Macedonians, he says, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. He talks about the relief of the saints. He's talking about providing support to the church in, in, in Jerusalem and Judea. I want to highlight a couple of words here that really make this stick out a little bit. You can see those in, 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 in gold there. You know, begging us earnestly to the favor of taking part in the relief. I mean, when we think about favor, we're talking about like the privilege of taking part, to be allowed or to be permitted to take part in this. You know, to share, to participate, to be in communion with the other churches that are, that are providing the support. As a matter of fact, when we talk about relief, you know, other translations talk about it being a service, of providing comfort, uh, of giving mercy. I mean, when you, when you look at those words that are highlighted there, you know, that they're begging for the favor of taking part in the relief, you, you can almost hear the folks in Macedonia going, what, you guys are doing what? You're doing that? We, we want to, can we take part? Can we be part of that? We want to do that too. I mean, you can hear the excitement that, that, that they have to beg. You know, we talk about earnestly like, like this fervent, hey, whatever we do, we want to be part of this. There's an excitement building here. And that's, that's a real good encouragement for us. But I don't want us to think of this only in terms of a first century um, example. Because we've got examples ourselves right now. And I want to share a few of them with you. And I, and I hope these are an encouragement. I hope they help kind of set the stage for the rest of the discussion of uh, what we, as we talk about living and, and giving extravagantly. Okay? This here, this, this vehicle, is called a jeepney. Now, these, this over in, in Manila in the Philippines. For those of you who aren't aware, uh, you know, we have several mission partners. We have local, regional, international mission partners. And uh, our international mission partner is, is, is a ministry called uh, Global Search, based primarily out of, out of Manila, or Metro Manila. And if you're not familiar with this, this, this jeepney is like old, smelly, broken down, loud, small, but it's the primary way that folks get in and around the city. Um, you know, for us, you know, we might take a bus, you know, for folks, they would take a jeepney. And one of the issues with jeepneys is they, they, they tend to, they're only allowed to work kind of like locally. You know, you have to do a bunch of transfers. So for instance, if you were going to go, say you needed to go from Fog to, you're going to go visit somebody down in North Kansas City uh, Hospital. Well, you might have to take two or three transfers on different jeepneys to get there. So each time you got to pay a little more. The reason I tell you that is a year ago this time, we were over in the Philippines and we were out in one of the neighborhoods with a church planter. Uh, and they were doing this thing called Kids Jam. It's Jesus is Me. Basically what they do, it's a really awesome ministry, is instead of saying, hey, we're going to open the church up for Sunday school and bring the kids, they take it to the neighborhood. Okay, and then the kids just come out of their houses. And so we're sitting there, and I was talking to the church planner, and he says, hey, all these, all these folks, they go to my church. I was like, wow, that's awesome, man. That's cool. So we finish up there. It's a really great event. And we load up, and we go up to another neighborhood a little farther away. And I'm having that same conversation with the same pastor. I said, so these folks go to your church? He goes, no, none of these folks go to my church. I said, oh, they must go to somebody else's church. He says, no. He says, three transfers, man. They can't afford it. I was like, wow. I think we've got to be able to do something about that. So started thinking over a couple of days. Before we left, I sat down with, with one of the global surge leaders, a guy named Luke. Uh, I said, hey, man, I you know, talked to Pastor Arnold and I kind of explained that whole problem with jeepneys. I said, uh, how many jeepneys do you need on a Sunday? He had 20, they got 27 churches that they've planted in their network. I said, how many, how many, how many jeepneys do you need, man? 
And he said, I don't know. I said, well, I'll tell you what. Um, go back, do some checking. Tell me what, well, just give me a number. What would it cost for you to be able to rent just on Sundays? I don't want you buying these things, but just on Sundays, what would it cost to rent jeepneys to get all the folks who say they would accept an invitation to church to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? What would it take to do that? So he said, okay, I'll, I'll check on it. And uh, he got back to me a little, little while later, and he sent me a number. I gagged, I fainted, and I woke up again. <laughs> there I am. I don't know if we can quite do that, you know. Um, but we, we talked a bunch, and we came up with a number. And we've been providing that support since January. And so last June, uh, a group of us went back over to the Philippines again. And we were, we were worshiping on Sunday at one of their churches, and we were guests, so they called us up and they just kind of said, you know, thanks for coming over. And, and Luke was there and he said, hey, oh, by the way, th- these are the folks from the church that's providing the jeepney, um, you know, ministry, the support there. And I uh, said, hey, by the way, if, if you're here just because you came on one of our rented jeepneys, raise your hand. And, and like 12 or 15 people raised their hands just in one church alone out of, out of 27. I mean, it was just like amazing. I, mean, I, 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 I was kind of overcome, to be honest with you. Another opportunity, you know, we talk about being inspired. This was, I think we were, this was in June. We were, I've only been on the ground for like two or three days, I think. For those of you who aren't familiar with the Philippines, basketball is king. It's like the big sport. Nothing even comes close to basketball in the Philippines. And so we were talking to Luke again about, yeah, how can we, how can we bless you when we come over? What are some additional things we could bless you with? He said, man, you know, we're trying to get this basketball ministry off the ground again this year. It's getting ready to start up. Man, if you guys could get us some authentic NBA jerseys. I mean, if people hear there's NBA jerseys, man, they will, they will come like nobody's business. So we did. We brought 50 jerseys. And now remember, this is only a couple days after we got there. We brought them in our baggage, you know. They're already being distributed. The, the young boy there in the blue, with the blue Warriors um, jersey, he got one. His dad is actually wearing the, the Celtics jersey, number four there. Here's the interesting thing apart, part about that, okay. He had just got that jersey. His dad was so impressed, was so inspired by the fact that someone gave his son an authentic NBA jersey that he brought his son to church for the first time. That's the first time he's been to church. I mean, that doesn't get you fired up. I, I, I don't know, you know? I'll give you a third one. I talk, we have regional partners as well. We've got a church called the Purpose Church out in Mascouda, Illinois. Uh, uh, Pastor Billy Johnson out there, they launched on Easter. So they've only been going for about five months now. This is him. Uh, you kind of see him there uh, in one of his services. Okay, this is good. This is encouraging, right? This is inspiring. They're already baptizing people. I know they've had at least three or four baptisms in just five months, and I'm not going to apologize for getting emotional about this. This is what should get us fired up, folks. This should be the encouragement and the excitement that says, if I'm, I don't know what an extravagant giver is, but man, if it can lead to that, that's what I want to be part of. That, that's what we're talking about. So just like the Macedonians were saying, hey, you guys are doing that? Can we take part? Folks, we can say the same thing. We say, wow, you're doing that? Can, can I take part? Can I be part of that? How can I be part of that? How can I participate in that? And that's really the context of our passage and our message today. So I want to take a minute. I want to go to a passage we've been using throughout the series, which is kind of about the cheerful giver. It's out of 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. We'll just read that for a second there. I want to talk about that as we continue to go through it. And here Paul writes, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully 
will also reap bountifully. God bless you. Each one of us must give as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You read that passage. That's exactly what we just saw with these, with these examples. It's exactly what we just saw. A fellowship, a gift, a service. It gives us a different understanding and a different perspective when we hear the word extravagant giving. It's no longer something maybe to shy away from or to be, 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 be kind of wondering, maybe that's not for me. And it's like, wow, look at that. That is something that I want to be part of. It gives a completely different meaning. When we can see what God does through great generosity, extravagant giving is not a burden. It's not something to avoid. It's a blessing and an encouragement for us. Truth is, you know, when we say we decide, decide within our own heart, that's not about a focus on the minimum. It's a focus on, wow, how, look what we can do. How high can we go? How high can I lift my eyes to see what we can do? I mean, we become cheerful givers when we see the results of things like a jeepney ministry, basketball jerseys, and, and, and support to a, to, a, to a local church plant that's only been going for five months. And that's just the tip of the iceberg, folks. I mean, I can't go through every example, but boy, if that doesn't motivate you, man, well, let's talk, I'll get you some more. I mean, talk about reaping bountifully, salvations in Manila and, 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 and Mascuda, you can't reap any more bountifully than that in your whole life. Yeah, I kind of joked a little bit you know, a moment ago, I said, you know, folks might have seen, hey, we're moving into expanding and extravagant giving, and some of you said, oh man, here we go. And you look at these examples, what I'm hoping you say, oh man, here we go. That, that's what we want. And, and I think we're going to look, well, I don't think, I know, because I wrote this. We're going to look at four biblical truths here today. <laughs> Got a little ahead of myself, I apologize. <laughs> the first one is, as we look at this, is extravagant in giving is part of our growth as a Christian. And there we can look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. And in there Paul writes, but as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, in, in our love for you, see that you ex excel in this act of grace also. When he talks about this act of grace, he's talking specifically about the collection. <clears throat> and, and you can see here, I mean, Paul ties this up right in one sentence here. He ties up faith. He ties up the way we talk, the way the, the study that we do of God's word. He talks about our earnestness, our fervor, the way we, we, we have a purpose to the way we go about our growth. He talks about our growing in love, and he puts giving right in that. It's all tied up in one sentence. There's no separation of it, folks. It's not up to the side. He says, look, as you excel in everything, grow in all areas of your faith. Now, I did a little study over this, and I, I think these are some interesting Interesting uh, results. I looked at just the New Testament uh, this week. And if you look at where there are specific teachings about being generous, about giving, not just talking about money, but being, being give, gener a generous giver, okay? In the 27 books of the New, New Testament, three of the Gospels, Matthew, Luke, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all specifically give teachings from Jesus. They record teachings Jesus gave about being a generous giver. We also see nine other New Testament books that specifically give teachings about being a generous giver. So just kind of put that in the back of your mind for a second. Because, you know, as we talk about these being part of Christian growth, let's compare that to some other areas that we would all accept. We, we, we wouldn't argue that they're parts of our Christian growth. And what I looked at was the area of prayer, the area of loving others, worship, and service. 
And I don't think any of us would argue that, that growing in those areas aren't part of our growth as a Christian. And here's what I found. To, to, to the aspect of the, the topic of prayer, all four Gospels and 12 other books of the New Testament specifically give teachings about prayer and growing in prayer. In loving others, all four Gospels and 12 other New Testament books, not necessarily the same 12 as in prayer, but 12 other books specifically talk, specifically give teaching about growing to love others. Worship, Matthew, Luke, and John. We don't see a specific uh, teaching in the book of Mark, but three of, the, three of the Gospels and eight other New Testament books specifically give teaching about growing in worship as we grow as a Christian. And then service, all four Gospels, 12 other books. I mean, giving is right there with the rest of these aspects. Scripture simply doesn't support a view that separates generous giving from growth as a Christian. It's just not there. So, and that's kind of encouraging when we look at our next truth. And that's that when giving is commended in the New Testament, it's always in response to extravagant giving. And we're going to look at two passages or two verses here. Uh, first one is out of 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. In chapter 9, verse 2, uh, Paul's writing to the Corinthians here. He says, For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has, art, has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. I mean, you, you want to put that in kind of modern terms? Hey, I'm bragging on you guys. I'm telling everybody about you guys, and they are fired up about what you're doing. Look at you guys. Way to go. I mean, what a, what a commitment, you know? Hebrews, the, 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 the author of Hebrews in, in, in Hebrews 11.4 talks about Abel. He says, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, though Cain, Abel died, excuse me, he still speaks. See, not only was Abel's gift accepted, it was commended, and it left a legacy. It, it, it went beyond his life. It didn't stop when he died. It had an impact. Folks, if we want to tie it to today, a jeepney ministry that leads someone to Christ, basketball jerseys that bring a dad and his son to, to church, baptisms in Mascuda, that leaves a legacy. That makes an impact. That's, that's doing that right now. The truth is, when you look at the New Testament, when, when it talks about giving, it really only talks in two cases. When giving is really good and really giving is really bad. Okay? The truth is, the Bible does not celebrate average. It's, it's simply not noteworthy. It, it didn't make the cut. I know that may sound harsh, but that's just, that's just what the, the, the New Testament shows us. Now, last week, Pastor Michael uh, gave us a good visual. He talked about taking the training wheels off when we talk about you know, becoming a, a tithing giver. And the point was that if we want to move past a focus on the minimum, we've got to take the training wheels off. And I think most folks would accept that. I think that's, that's, that's I mean, that makes all sense of the world. It, it's, you just want to take a next step, you take the training wheels off. But we need to be careful when we do that because you can take the training wheels off, but you can still be overly cautious. You can still kind of protect yourself a little too much. Now, I, I don't know if anybody's ever done this. If you have, please don't tell me. I don't want to know. But going through life wrapped in bubble wrap, it may seem safer, but 
it's incredibly restrictive. I mean, it, it, it holds you back from doing a ton of things. You miss out a lot of opportunities when you wrap yourself from head to toe in bubble wrap. It, it doesn't make any sense. The truth is, when we talk about being overly cautious, there's not a single example in the New Testament of someone who's commended or even noteworthy for being overly cautious in the giving. It may have happened, but it wasn't noteworthy. It didn't leave a legacy. Now, okay, so we can say that. All right, yeah, we, we can take the training wheels. Don't be overly cautious. Let's, let's go. Okay, but, but how far do we go? What, what, what's, what does that look like? You know, are you asking me to be like nuts? Are you asking me to be, oh, I don't know, reckless? course not you know that's where I think folks might get a little concerned is you're asking me to do crazy things no that's that's not the point at all look the world around us may look at extravagant gaming and think hey that's nuts the world around us may say what are you what are you doing that doesn't make any sense at all okay but that's just worldly giving that's a worldly perspective on on, on spending you know what, what's the true answer on this well the true answer is if we look at scripture extravagant giving is simply an act of faith if we want to define extravagant giving, it's simply stepping out in faith. And we can see two passages here where we're talked about. The first is, is out of 2 Corinthians 8.2. And Paul is talking about the Macedonians here. He says, for in a, a severe test of affliction, there, the Macedonians, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. And we see in Luke 21, verses 1 through 4, here's Jesus talking. Jesus, he's, he's in the temple. Uh, he's got some of his uh, uh, disciples around him. And he says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting, in their, putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in her two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. In each of these passages, we see folks stepping out of their faith, excuse me, stepping out in faith, outside of their comfort zone, simply because they trusted in God, simply because they were motivated by what God was doing. See, extravagant giving means we're not restricting ourselves from being able to take part in what we saw Paul described in 2 Corinthians 8.4, the privilege to share in, in relief, in service, in, mer in mercy. So we get to participate in that when we step out into this thing called extravagant giving. Look, it's a matter of trust. It's simply trusting God and being content in what he's given us and what he's, what he's told us to do. But I'm not sure we've really answered the question for you yet. You know, where is this, for lack of a better term, where is this sweet spot of what extravagant giving is? Now, we kind of laughed at Bubble Boy and, and, and the crazy bikers, but I think they do kind of help us understand a little bit of, of what extravagant giving is not. You know, it's, it's, it's on neither one of those ends of the spectrum. See, if you think about the Bubble Boy, you know, he's, he's overly cautious. He's on the flesh side. He's saying, all right, you know, when, when I can count all the pennies and I'm, I'm absolutely positive that I can take care of this myself, then, yeah, I'm ready to give a little more. Well, you don't need faith to do that. You've already figured it out yourself. That doesn't make any sense. Now, on the other hand, you know, we've got, you know, nut guys over here uh, on, their, on their bicycles, you know, or motorcycles. Man, that would be cool if you could do it on a bike, huh? Um, 
that's just ridiculous. No one's saying, go have an estate sale, sell your house, sell all your stuff, move your, move your family like into, I don't know, English Landing down there in like a pup tent and eat, you know, Cheerios and, uh, I don't know, mac and cheese all the time. That's not what we're asking either. That's, that's silly. No one would ask that. As a matter of fact, if you're thinking about either doing that or moving down to English Landing, let's talk first because don't do it. But I think the place we want to be is in faith. That, that, that's the middle there. Now you may ask, all right, so what's that number? I don't know. I don't know what that number is. But I, I can tell you what extravagant giving probably looks like. I can, I can tell you what some characteristics may be that may help you feel like if, if you're there. Extravagant giving probably looks like, you know, you've, you've exceeded what you think is expected. It's, it's more than what feels comfortable. It comes at a cost to our preferences and our wants. Notice I didn't say needs. It's not at a cost to our needs. It's a cost to our preferences and our wants. C.S. Lewis wrote a, a book called Mere Christianity. He had a good quote in it that kind of helps us a little bit. He says, if our charities do not at all pinch or hamper us, I should say that they're too small. There ought to be things we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditures exclude them. Notice he says, we would prefer to do things we would like to do. He's not saying needs. He's just saying, look, take a step out in faith. Wherever you are, just, just take that next step and, and, and see what you can do when you're a little uncomfortable. That's all he's asking. But even this should not discourage us. Even when we hear this, I've got to give up some things. That shouldn't discourage us. And the reason we shouldn't be discouraged is because of the final truth. And that is that extravagant giving glorifies God and builds his kingdom. And here I want to go to Acts 2, the last two, let's me, the last three verses of Acts 2. In here, we're just kind of after the Pentecost, and, and, and we're in Jerusalem, and, and Luke is describing what's going on with the, with the new Christians there. And he says, and they, the new Christians in Jerusalem, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread, for their home, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Folks, this part we've highlighted here, this is what fires us up. This is the true reason for extravagant giving. It's not to build something really cool, okay? I mean, we're excited about the, 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 the expansion, okay? But the expansion is simply to make more room to get more folks in here so that day by day the Lord can build the number of, add the number of people saved. That's what we're talking about. This is what gets us excited, and it's exactly what we see through the Jeepney ministry. It's what we see through basketball jerseys, what we see through support to the Purpose Church, and what we see to, to support to the Missouri Baptist Association, other church planters throughout Missouri. It's what we see through support to the International Mission Board, 5,000 missionaries throughout the world that we provide support through when we can be extravagant in our giving. And that's when God adds day by day, and that's what we're really focused on. And I want you to look for a second. See, again, I'm going to go back to the fact that this is all connected. Look at the way the word, Paul uses the word and. And they were selling their possessions. And they were distributing them. And day by day they were going to the temple. And day by day God was adding to their numbers. It's right there. Paul shows, a, excuse me, Luke, I apologize. Luke shows a direct connection from extravagant generosity to salvations. Luke shows a direct connection from extravagant giving to God's glory. 
This is what should fire us up, the same way it fired up the Macedonians. When the Macedonians heard what was going on in Corinth, and they were like, hey, can, can we take part two? Can we, can we do that too? That's what, that's what we should be doing the same thing. It's like, wow, we got salvations going on every day? Wow, how do I get involved in that? If, if you're asking yourself, why should I give more? Can I give more? Can I afford to give more? Here's what I'm going to recommend to you. This, I'm sorry, this last verse right here, and the Lord answered to their number day by day those who were being saved. Write that down on a sticky note. Matter of fact, write that down on a couple of sticky notes and put it in some prominent places in your house. Put it in your coffee maker, your refrigerator, the mirror, I don't care, wherever, wherever you're going to see it. And in a week or a month or six months and you're wondering, why am I, why am I giving like this? Can I give, should I give more? Can I give more? What's the purpose Look at this verse. This is the reason we give, folks. This is why we want to be extravagant. It's because God uses to glorify himself and bring others to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, throughout this series, we've, uh, we've used this visual here of a hose and a sponge. We talked about a choice we have. We can either be a hose or we can be a sponge. We can't be both. We can be a hose that continues to pass blessings through it or we can be a sponge that simply collects a few blessings for a while until it simply can't take anymore and it doesn't pass any on. I said at the beginning today, this, this, is, this, is, this is an encouragement. I, I pray that there's been an inspiration through what God can do by this. Never meant to beat anybody up. It's about showing you what God does when we just take a next step, just a next step. I want you to be encouraged and inspired to experience the amazing blessing that it is to participate in what God does. Simply by taking that spigot and turning it on and just, you know what, let's just figure out exactly how much water can go through this hose. I don't know. Let's, let's just turn this thing up and how much water can come through this thing. That's what we're looking to see. To see what God can do when we live a life of extravagant giving. Let's pray. Lord, we just... Lord, we just thank you, first of all, uh, that we can be extravagant. Lord, that you have blessed us so greatly. And Lord, that you've given us opportunities. Just, just, just the few today that we've talked about in Manila, in Mescuta, elsewhere, to, to use the amazing blessings that you've given us to glorify you and Lord, to lead others to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, just I, I ask that you would touch each one of our hearts and, 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 and guide us convict us, challenge us to ask the question, can I be more extravagant? Can I see more people saved just by stepping out a little bit? Lord, I just, it's just amazed at what you do when we give you our first and best. Lord, just thank you for that. I look forward for what you do in the future through that. I ask you to continue to challenge us. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.